Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. In Revelation 19, 1-6, this is part 8 of the fall of Babylon. It's part 8 because it's the last part. This is the last message on the fall of Babylon. And it's about heaven's response to the fall of Babylon. We had read earlier in chapter 18 about the world's response to the fall of Babylon. Remember, the, uh, the kings were weeping, the merchants were weeping, the people were weeping because they'd lost all their wealth. They'd lost everything. It was gone in an instant. So what, we, what we're going to do today is look at four great hallelujahs. And these hallelujahs are coming out of heaven. This is heaven's response to the fall of Babylon. Everybody with me? So here we go. Four great hallelujahs. The hallelujah that starts it. So if you would, look at uh, Revelation 19, verse 1. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth for her, with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. So stop. Let's go to that first hallelujah. First, let's talk about what is meant by, or I should say, the hallelujah that starts it is the praise of God's nature. Look what it says. Salvation, glory, and honor, and power belong to the Lord, for his judgments are true and righteous. So they're talking about God Almighty first. That's the way they're going to introduce this. And with that, let's talk about hallelujah. This is Hebrew. So today, you're going to learn Hebrew. If you can say the word hallelujah, can you say that with me? You are speaking Hebrew. That Hebrew word, Hallel, means praise. That's what Hallel means. So if anybody ever says to you, what's the Hallel? They are telling you it is the praise. You'll find that often in the Psalms. This, This word's found a lot in the Psalms. Hallel means praise. That little you in there, that is the way to say let us. So Hallel, you, is let us do something together. So let us praise, okay? And it is a community call. It's not a personal praise that you're offering right here. This is a community call. It is saying, let us praise. And then that last J-A-H on there is a shortened form of the word that you see on each one of these banners. That which we call Jehovah in English, which is called Yahweh in Hebrew, which is Yah. And Yah is the word, the shortened form for his personal name. So this is about praise for his personal name. You are praising him personally for this. This is not the word God. It is hallelujah. That is his personal name. That'd be like if I was saying, you know, let's, uh, let's, um, let's praise Randy. If I said that'd be hallel, hallel you Randy. Okay. That's what we're saying is his personal name. So it's taking it beyond, if you see what I'm saying. This is saying that Yah was the one that was involved in this. Not God, which might could be Allah, Baal, uh, any, any number of those which are called gods. He wasn't. This is Yah, the Lord God. 
the only Lord God. Everybody with me? So that's what you're saying when you say hallelujah. So if anybody ever says hallelujah and then you don't think they understand just what they say, do you know Yah? Do you know Jehovah too? That's wonderful. And they might not know what you're saying when you say it, but understand, that's what you're saying. In those songs that we sang earlier today, hallelujah was found several times there. That's about uh, praising the, the Lord Yah. So let me go on then to the three attributes that he says are worthy of praise. Look, Now I'm saying three. It lists four here. It says this, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord, our God. I told you I'm going to be trying to do this through the Greek text. I'm trying to read the Greek text and translate the Greek text. I could not find the word honor in there. Um, I could find it in Revelation 4.11, but I could not find it in this text. Uh, I could find it in some of the uh, lesser texts. I found it there. Um, and some, someday it'd be great just to have a sermon on how we got our Bible. I think that's, that was be kind of important to you because translating the Bible and how you got your versions and which version is best and, and all that sort of stuff, that's really kind of important because sometimes people make a real battle of it and it doesn't need to be a battle. It's simply because there are lots of texts available. By text, we mean the Bible was, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. And there are lots of Greek manuscripts or texts that have portions of Scripture, sometimes have whole books of Scripture. Sometimes they, you'll have a text that has part of the Gospels and maybe one of the epistles. And they're separated because they somehow weather or temperature or whatever else destroyed part of the text. So you're just getting to see those. So the people who do Bible translation, who make Bible versions, are having to look at all the texts they can. How many are there? About 3,500. So we have that kind of attestation to the Bible's accuracy. Everybody with me? No other book has that kind of attestation to it. No other book has that kind of proof. That's the texts. We then also have bits and pieces and little papyra over here and over there, over there, which takes it more up to 4,800. So there's all kinds of things that attest to the accuracy of what we're reading here, all right? So some of those texts, uh, most of them did not contain the word honor. But all of them contained glory or salvation, glory, and power. So we're going to look at those three. Fair? Is that fair with everybody? All right. Here's what it says. Salvation. Um, let's go. Number two is three attributes worthy of praise. These belong alone to God. Salvation. Only he can and does save. There isn't anyone else in the whole cosmos that has any way to save the cosmos. Why? Because everything else in the cosmos he made. He is the one who made it. He's the only one who knows how to save it. He's the only one that knows all the formulas of how everything went together, if I can say it in a chemistry way. He's the only one that has all the formulas of what you were made of. He knows your DNA. He has your full, complete DNA number, and he knows how to fashion you. He fashioned you different from everybody else. That is why, kids, it won't matter how many bugs ate you up and spread you around or how much decay happened to you. You follow where I'm coming from? It all went back from the same stuff from which it was made. 
and he puts that stuff together in your DNA. So your exact resurrection is guaranteed because it's your DNA he's putting back together again. Everybody follow where I'm at? He's taking dirt from the ground and can put your DNA in it, and guess what? It's you and you only. That's what he's done. That's why only he can save. That's why Babylon could not have saved anything. Babylon may have looked appealing. Babylon may have looked like it was a wonderful thing to go to. Wow, it's great to visit Babylon, man. You can buy anything you want in Babylon. You can have any amount of money you want in Babylon. They've got money exchanges there. They've got ways you can gamble and get things. There's ways to get everything you want. And that could be seen as your salvation. But it won't save you. The only one who can save you is the one who knit you in the womb of your mother. The only one who can save you is the one who knit your mother in the womb of her mother and who brought ultimately all mothers from the one mother who was brought out of the dirt. Everybody with me? That's the only one that can save you. So when heaven is saying, salvation be to God, they are talking and declaring about the only one who can save, and it's not just that he can save, he does save. That's where you go, amen. You see, here, here's what I mean by that. It's not just that he can save Doug White. The potential is there to save Doug White. The possibility is there to save Doug White. He does save Doug White. That's what happened to you. But from that, if you're seeing that salvation belongs alone to the Lord, can you see then that glory would belong to only him? Everything else has its glory in comparison to him. The only reason we know anything about glory is because we know him. Follow where I'm at? We, we can talk about the glory of the royalty of, of England and Britain and all the, the glory and glamour and everything else that goes on, all kinds of things, kids. But everything pales in comparison to this one. So heaven, in recognition of the glory of God, is saying glory belongs to God. He's the only one worthy of sustained, eternal glory. Oh, we, we can all, I've been to many of your, um, I shouldn't say many, I've been to several retirement uh, uh, from military or from other, other uh, job situations. And some of those are just fabulous. Man, I've, I've enjoyed it. You know, I'm getting involved with the pomp and ceremony. This is, this is pretty cool. You've got to walk across this and you got a little whistle, whistle blows for you and you've got to walk across it. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, was it Wayne's, uh, uh, Wayne Cormier's uh, uh, retirement? Man, everything was, and folding that flag and explaining every fold in that flag. Listen, hair stand up the back of my neck, hair stand up. That was fabulous. There's some, some wonderful glory. Can't even compare with the glory of Almighty God. Man, I've been to some really great ceremonies. And they are, they are ceremonies, you know, you, I looked at it and said, what in the world am I doing here? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not anywhere close to anything that goes on here, but I'm honored to be here but he can't hold a light to him. And heaven's recognizing it. Now, I want you to get the context. That's in the context of Babylon being destroyed. 
Babylon had been the working power in the world since the, the tower of Babel had been built. That was the working power. That is the thing that empowered everybody. That's the thing that gave all glory to the kings. That's the thing that brought gold and silver and palaces and artwork and everything into it. All the glory of all those kings forever. That's what had been driving the world. And its destruction now pulls all of that junk out of the way so that you can actually see the glorious one. Only he is worthy of sustained eternal glory and in power. The word that's for power here is the word dunamis. And it's the word we get our word dynamite from or dynamo. It is power that is extreme. This is stuff that really moves the whole wide world. Okay? And he has that power. Everything else that's a power, you know, when we talk about the power of an atomic bomb, who do you think made atoms? He has the power to make atoms and the power to hold atoms all together and the power to fuse atoms, the power to make fission out. He's got the power of the sun. He, he's the one that controls all of that. He has the power to speak the whole world into existence. Speak it that way. Not pick up matter from here and there and shape it so that it's the world. Speak it. And heaven's recognizing that and you guys have been given all this honor to all these kings for all these centuries, for all these millennia. All this is going on, and you get glory, glory, glory. It went down in an hour. It was over in an hour of time. And all your kings sat there and wept, saying, what happened? It's gone. All our glory, all our power, all our salvation, gone in an hour. And they're wanting you to know, now, hear this. Here, here is the eternal God who is the source of salvation, who's the source of glory, who's the source of power. That's who you need to worship. So those attributes were there. In number three in your outline there, the basis for this community call. This is, this is once again, this is not some guy making a statement about God's goodness. This is someone calling everybody to recognize the goodness of God. Like if anybody in here would say hallelujah at any time, he's calling for this whole community to give praise to God. That's what he's saying. So whenever anybody says hallelujah, get involved with it. If they say hallelujah, say praise the Lord. What are we praising the Lord for? Let's praise the Lord. Yes, indeed. What do you want to praise him for today? Well, his salvation, his power, his glory. Yeah, amen, that's good. His judgments are good. Yeah, amen, that's good too. He's always true. Yeah, amen, that's good. You follow what I'm talking about? You're going to get involved with it. It's a community thing. This is not just somebody witnessing something. John's hearing a statement made, and he's watching for responses. This whole community is about to get involved. You follow where I'm at? This whole community is about to get involved because they're being asked to, all right? <laughs> Maybe commanded to. The basis of the community call, look with me, please, at verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he's avenged on her the blood of his servants. So let's get this. His judgments are true and righteous. I kept thinking, where do I, see, where do I remember that combination for? Oh, I remember. It's the song we sing from Psalm 19. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That's Psalm 19.9. And that's what this is about. 
the judgments of the Lord are always true and righteous altogether. Yes, was it thousands of years? Yeah, on our time scale, this is thousands of years. Here's God. He creates the heaven. He creates earth here, and he's got an end to it over here. And for us, that's thousands of years of time. For the one who stands outside of time, how long is that? So for him, he sees it here and here. But for all of us who have to live in this time thing, and for all the angels who have to live in that time thing too, he finally did it. Wow. That was pretty devastating. He let him get by with that all that time because he is long-suffering and righteous and good. And when they watch the destruction of it, all it can do is you got the people who were a part of it having to stand back. They're crying. They're weeping, but they don't want to get too close. They'll burn up to get that close. They could fall into the judgment because they loved that place. It's gone. And now all the angels are saying, wow, that was a big deal. It took centuries to build that. And in one hour, his judgments were true and righteous. Hallelujah. That's what they're doing. All right, let me go further with you. It's in letter B. He correctly judged Babylon for corrupting the earth. I think this is beautiful. They say such neat things in the Scriptures because the word corrupting there is the exact opposite of the word salvation. So the Lord saves. What does Babylon do? Corrupt. They just brought it to destruction. They brought it down. And that's, kids, all the things that everybody hoped for. That's all the things that people party for. That's all the things that people live for. They did not realize it was corrupting them the whole time. And here God is saving. So they're, they're making a contrast here that God has correctly judged Babylon. She corrupted the world. He's saving it. And because he avenged his bondservants on her, because the people who were a part of Babylon perished with Babylon, and because his saints had been crying out to him, how long, O Lord, before you avenge us? And he was saying to them, wait, just wait. I am going to avenge. And he told people, remember, he's told us all along, don't avenge yourself. Leave that to me. I will avenge, thus saith the Lord. It's all his. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not yours. Don't go avenge yourself. And here, kids, all those who have loved the Lord are watching the destruction of Babylon and seeing how not just the city of Babylon, but the prostitute herself is dead. They're not going to live with this anymore. When it says Babylon has fallen, is fallen, it's saying not only is the city gone, but that which has tempted people for thousands of years just died. She's gone, and she will not rise again. That's salvation. It wouldn't be salvation if the chance was she's going to rise up again and do this all again another time and another time and another time. That's what had been going on all those years. That's part of her corruption. She's gone, kids. It's done. You're not going to have to contend with her anymore. You got enough problem having your own corrupt spirit to have to deal with her too. You won't. 
he saves. Then if you'll notice, there's a second hallelujah comes. You, you, you just kind of get it like, it'd be like if we were doing this. this. This group right in here yelled out, hallelujah, salvation and eternal glory. And then all of a sudden from back there comes salvation, hallelujah, and another hallelujah arises. And then when those two are now both hallelujahing and praising, hallelujahing, is that even a word? Anyway, they're both praising the Lord together. All of a sudden back in the back over here, hallelujah, and that rises up again. And now this group is going to do it. So there's going to be four great hallelujahs. Can you imagine what it's going to sound like as it starts out kind of small with this group and it's moving out of this group. Now it's got a little more volume. Now it's moving to that group, a little more volume, moving to this group. It's everybody's at it. That's what's going on here. And that's in stark contrast to what had happened over here. <laughs> My wealth is gone. Everything I hope for is gone, gone, gone. Oh, precious city. You follow where we're at? All this mourning and weeping over this corrupt, vile thing is now being contrasted by the hallelujahs that start here. So let's get their hallelujah. This is what you guys said back at the back, all right? You said this. Um, in verse 3, again they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. So look, let's, let's talk about that. That is the recognition of the finality of his judgment. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. It's still burning, kids. This thing that they're looking at, and that's out in the future for us, by the way. This is, this is not something that uh, we, it is a past history. This is out in the future. This smoke is rising up forever and ever. It's always burning. It will never rise again. That's what he's wanting to see. That his finality is so wonderful. His judgments are so good. It will never rise up again. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. It's not coming up again. Then there's a third one. I shouldn't say third yet. Let's, look, let's take a look at this. Um, in verse 4, And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat at the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. So now they're getting engaged. Now, remember how that, that operates. Oh, yeah, I forgot we don't have any chairs up here. Here's the, there's a throne. And in front of that throne, around the throne, are all these cherubim and seraphim. They're what's, what looks like that um, uh, tornado um, that's a fire. This is the pillar of fire. This is the pillar of cloud. That surrounds the throne. And then just outside that are the four living beasts. And then just beyond that is that whole big group of elders that's out there. Now, what had started out there is now being spoken here. So now you got another response going. These guys are saying, amen, hallelujah. Now, I'm going I'm to share with you this. We got us... We're going to get past Arkansas today, okay? It's not a man. It's a main. A main. Say that with me, will you? A main. That's the correct word this is. And it means let this thing be established. This is verifiably true. You can prove this. When you say this word, I'm saying this is verifiably true. There's, not a, there's, there's no doubt in this thing whatsoever. Amen means this is true. When you close your, your prayer with amen, you're saying what I have just said is every bit true. I have sought your will and your will alone. I know that as I'm praying, I'm praying in the will of God. I'm expecting an answer to it because this is true. That's what you're saying. It doesn't mean the end. All right? 
That's what it means. So they're offering that first. What are they affirming? They're affirming that God is the author of salvation. He is full of glory. He is full of power. His judgments are true and righteous altogether. They're saying, that's exactly true. So that's the first thing they say. Then they say another hallelujah. So they're calling on more of the community. So from heaven here, more of the community is being called on. Everybody, let us praise the Lord. All right, then we go on further. Uh, let's go to page two there and pick up on some things that are, I think, pretty cool here. Yet another unidentified voice. Let's look at the, what it says here. There is uh, uh, verse five. Then a voice came from the throne saying, and again, it didn't say God said it, but boy, coming from the throne, that sounds pretty close. What do you think? I, I don't know who said this thing, but it, it's, it's this. Praise our God, all you servants and those who fear him, both small and great. This is letter D in your outline. Yet another unidentified voice from the throne calls for the community of God on earth to engage in this birth, burst of accurate praise. So how do I know it's on earth? Because he's calling for the servants of the Lord. He's calling for all those who fear him. Okay, so let's, let's talk about those just for a minute. In number one in your outline, it's call for all of his servants. So listen to what it says. Praise our God, all you servants and those who fear him, both small and great. Now, if this is a Hebrew phrase, this is just another identifier for who these people are, that his servants always fear him. That's If it was a Hebrew phrase, that's the way that would be. If it's not a Hebrew phrase, then it's talking about two different people. It's talking about the one group of people who are his servants and a second group of people are those who fear him. Let me see if we can kind of speak this out for a moment. It's a call for all his servants. His servants are those who know him intimately enough to commit their lives to him in service. They know him well enough. They say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord with everything about me. I'm going to give the Lord my full devotion. And then the second group would be those who fear him. And that's those whose personal knowledge of him may be inadequate, but they know enough to fear him and trust him for what they do know of him. Now, that's, that's going to be uh, within any church uh, meeting like that. You're going to have people who are both. You're going to have some people, maybe they're, they're just coming to church for the first, uh, maybe they haven't been in church in years and they're wanting to come to church just to um, see what church is like. But they know enough to know this. They may not know everything about the Lord. If, if you ask them all kinds of theological questions, they probably couldn't tell you what those answers are. But they know enough to know there is a God and that he is a good God. And they know enough to fear him. They know that they are answerable to him. And they are trusting him. Now, I'm not trying to create another category of saved people. That's not what I mean at all. I mean simply that not everybody's at the same stage of their knowledge of the Lord to start with. That there are some people who know him so well, they'll serve him. I know that's where Steve Kelly is. I know that's where Stephanie Kelly is. They're all about Muslims coming to know Christ. That's, that's their whole life. That's what they think about. That's what they eat, drink, sleep. That's what they want. And they want to serve the living God. They want to do whatever is necessary to serve the living God. But I know that there are others who don't know him quite that well. But they know enough to know that they'll answer to him. They know enough to know, I, I don't know everything you know about him, 
But I know this. He's a good God. And I do know this. I'll answer to him one day, and I want to answer fair and square. I want to answer a good answer, all right? Then letter E. There's the fourth hallelujah. And it's enjoined by the rest of the community of God. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You're a daisy if you don't stand. (laughs) You're supposed to stand during the Hallelujah Chorus, kids. Amen. imagine when that fourth hallelujah is said and they're calling on all those people everywhere in the world hallelujah hallelujah can you imagine the sound that's going to be kids oh I, I, I know this is Handel I understand it but Handel had a handle on things and he was listening the right way someday kids that's what we will do We'll hear this, and we'll know in heaven and on earth, we will sing this. Maybe not that exact song, but we'll sing the hallelujahs. He shall reign forever and ever. Lord God omnipotent reigneth.
Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Let it soak into you that you will have witnessed because you will have been taken out of this thing and you will have been in heaven witnessing the things that have happened here to the world that hated you, to the world that you had been a part of, to the world that hated the very God who saved you and he took you out of the mess you are watching take place there and you saw the whole thing come to a close. You saw the whole thing destroyed and then you get involved with all the hallelujah that went on from all the people who said, we'll never have to put up with that again. We'll never have to live that again. I'll never have to feel another pain again. I'll never have to feel another tear again. I'll never have to fight with sin again. I'll never have to go around feeling guilty because I did the wrong thing again. I have been saved by the one true living God. All other gods are gone. All other support systems are done. I'm alive. I'm alive forevermore. And he saved me from that destruction. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. So let me ask this question. What gets our hallelujah going? Two chapters of Revelation have shown the wide contrast of those who understand holiness and the gravity of sin and those who do not. There were people who understood what sin is, who understood who God is. And because of that, they pulled themselves out of that whole world system. They recognized this thing's going down. It can't go down. It corrupts everything it gets around. And they recognized it. They knew it. And they looked to the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though the whole world hated them for it, even though the whole world said, we don't appreciate you people. You're just nothing but dumb fuddies that get in the way of everything. You don't let us have, you're, you're making your rules on us all the time. You tell us we can't kill our babies when we want to. We don't like you doing that. You're telling us you can't do, we can't do these things. Yes, we can. And we defy you. Though they know they can never touch almighty God, they do know this. They can touch his people. He can make them yell. They can make them scream. They can torture them. They can kill them. They can get them out of their eyesight. Yeah, they know that. But my children, I want you to know this. God vindicates you. Simple thing like trust. And God vindicated you for it. What gets your hallelujah going? Babylon is horrendous and ugly in its excesses and wicked in its defiance of God, yet it was loved by many praised for centuries, mourned in the end. Now they're preparing a great battle against him. So as I look at this destruction of Babylon over here, I'd like to think the last chapter's done. It's not. There's still a whole horde of these people that are gathering together in a valley, in an appointment set up by Almighty God, and they're going to have their last big hoorah. And the Lord Jesus Christ is coming at that moment, kids, and that'll be the last thing they ever saw. It's over then. It's not over just because the hallelujah has been sung. It'll be over when Jesus Christ comes back. Why? Because it's not about the destruction of Babylon we get happy. It's about the God who destroyed Babylon we get happy. 
And it's about the Jesus Christ who's about to restore a new heavens and a new earth. That's what we're getting happy about. Because the very hope there has been for people from all the way back here, (laughs) all the way through history, all the way up to here, it is here that they got to see it happen. And for all the mockery, for all the trials, for all the rough go, they're vindicated. And you're going home. The home he said in John 14, you've believed in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many places to dwell. I'm going now to prepare a place for you. And if I go... I will come again that you may be a part of me. I want you with me. He wants us with him, kids. Hallelujah. God was rejected, mocked, and despised for centuries, but in the end accurately praised for his beauty and his character. In which group would we find ourselves today? Where do we find our thrill? Are we thrilled with God's righteous judgment? If If God judges all this and it all falls apart, are you going to feel bad? Are you going to weep? Are you going to look and say, hallelujah? Hallelujah. This had to fall apart. It corrupted everything in this world. Are we enamored by our undeserved relationship with him? Does it give you a thrill to know? Uh, you know, several years ago, I, I know I was trying to teach about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and how great that was going to be and so forth. And I, I erred in this. I didn't tell them what happens afterward. I told my Sunday school class this this morning. I didn't tell them where they were going afterward. What I told them was all the things that's going to fall apart, all the things that are going to be difficult, all the hard things, the, uh, the, the famine and all that. And some of the young ladies said, I don't really look forward to Jesus coming back. Why? I said, why? Why? Because I still want to have a family. I want to get married. I want to have children. I have a career I'd like to pursue. I have all kinds of things I'd like to pursue. Where did I make my big mistake? By not telling them what's beyond all this death junk. By telling them what's here. And we're, Jesus loves us so much that that's what God revealed to him. So we're going to get to see that. We're coming up to Revelation 21. We're going to get to see that. What did he say was something to look forward to? Kids, we've got to tell people what to look forward to. If what we're telling them is you've got to look forward to the hard times that are coming, yahoo, I can't wait. Who's excited about that? No, there are hard times you've got to pass through to get over here. What's it look like over here, guys? Kids, I want you to know this. If you're one of those that's saying, I'm bummed about Jesus coming back again. I don't want all that trouble. I don't want all that tribulation. I don't want all that stuff right here. Kids, hang on. There are people who pass through that to get here. Over here is not just the end of pain, not just the end of sorrow, but the positive things you're going to see, kids, the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. I've never seen that before. I don't even have hope of that before. I, you know, you watch some of those um, nature spectacles and those sort of things, and, and, and you, you see, uh, here goes a, a wildebeest. He's just going to cross this little ocean. 
uh, or this little river thing there, and he starts partway across it, and like six crocodiles are after him, or alligators or whatever it is. They're after him, and then, man, he, he rushes to get the other side, and a lion grabs him on the other side. You know, does that sound exciting? I don't think so. That's kind of deadly. You follow what I'm saying? That's what's in this world here, kids. Things that capture you and kill you. Predators that destroy you. That's what's in this one. Yeah, there's some neat things. Babylon's got a lot of pretty things she does too. But I want you to know, over here, that's not what nature does anymore. Nature's back to doing what it was intended to do. And you're going to see plants do things that they were supposed to do that they can't do now. The mountains are different. It's, it's a beautiful world you're about to go to, kids. And he prepared you for that. Yeah, there's some junk to pass through. Yeah. Always has been. That's not news. All right. Father, thank you so much for the hallelujahs of heaven. We ask just now in Jesus' name that you'll minister grace to each of us and give us understanding, understanding in the true things of God. Help us to be more in love with you than we are with Babylon. Please wean us, Father, from the breasts of ugly Babylon and allow us to have the good, sweet grain, the land of, the, the land of promise. Father, grant that we might be a people understanding what you have done for us grasping our identity and living it all out in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody. God is with us. I know that there are things that don't look real good sometimes, but that's always been the situation, okay? Things have had lots of times when it hasn't looked real good. But it had always been faith that has overridden all of that. That's our substance. That's the evidence. That's everything that we need. Look ahead to what's before you and don't let, don't let everything get you down. All right? Look for what's up. Jesus despised the cross and its shame, looking beyond it for the joy that was set before him. That's where we want to be, guys, the joy that's set before us. Let's follow that pattern. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.